G'day guys, Dan here with another episode of the How to Scale a Video Business Podcast. This is episode 164. And today I want to talk about why it's so important to become an expert in your field, in your niche, if you will, or your niche, if you're over the pond. And it's, it's so critical because... Otherwise, you're trying to appeal to everyone. And when you try to appeal to everyone, you end up talking to no one. So it's super important that you develop expertise in your niche or niche and become a master of that. You know, building a business is is really, really hard. And I want to rant about this a bit this week because I've been having a lot of conversations recently. And, you know, we turn away at least 50% of people who apply to be in our programs. And uh, and it's not to put you off. It, it's actually because we're very picky about who we want to work with and um, because we want to work with people who are having great results. You know, just in this last week alone, one of my clients just announced he'd won a $35,000 project for one month. In fact, it said somewhere between 35 and 45. Another client's just won a $130,000 project. Um, you know, Regularly, people are winning ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars projects, and it's not because they're like you know they've got some special secret. It's just that they're following the process that we teach in the VBA, which is to become an expert in your niche or your niche, and become known for that in your market. Because once you become known for that, you become an expert. Once you become an expert, everybody wants to work with you because or you're the guy who works in the kitchen equipment manufacturing or you work in medical devices or you work in healthcare or you work in government and so it's it's like you can you can sit and listen to this and fight it as much as you want but the clients that I'm working with who are focusing on a style or a niche or a niche are absolutely killing it and never have to worry about work now that's not to say they don't have to work hard because that's not what I'm saying and building a business takes time and it is hard. In fact, it's likely to be the hardest thing you'll ever, ever do. There's no job security and you risk everything at almost every decision you make. But it also takes time. You know, you've got to be prepared for it to take seven to ten years until you're really established. And oftentimes I speak to people who've been doing this just a couple of years, two or three years, and they've usually spent a stupid amount of money on gear. I mean, the, the record, I had a conversation with someone who'd spent £128,000 on equipment and was going out for £500 a day. It was just it was just embarrassing. Like, you know, you've got to stop buying gear thinking that that is what clients give a shit about because they don't. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have some good technology, but just like try and curb the disease. I had another call with someone who was um, really needed some help, but couldn't afford to come into the program. But I just spent a thousand dollars on some new ATEM all singing all dancing mixer when the basic version would have done. So, like you know, I'm not here to get into a gear conversation, but like just just stop thinking that if you buy the equipment, it's going to somehow magically make the work. So anyway, back to this idea of seven to ten years to really build a business. I mean, you know, if, if you're willing to, to be patient, you can have everything you ever wanted. But, you know, it's going to take seven to ten years one way or the other. The alternative is you can work for someone else, but you'll never, ever have true autonomy. 
So what you have to do is rationalize the rough with the smooth. You know, for me, it was 2008 when I got to a point where I just couldn't bear having to ask another grown man's permission if I could take a holiday or a day off. It was just the last straw for me. I didn't, I didn't want to have to kind of try and plan my family's vacations around whether or not some of the other guys in the office were, were, were off on holiday or not. Um, and so I made the decision that, that I wanted to take control of my destiny. Um, and, you know, so, you know, at the time I was working for someone who was a bit of a control freak as well. And it was difficult to kind of really, you know, paint my own kind of brush and, and it was his company. So I guess fair enough, you know, so, so I, I knew I couldn't stomach the situation any longer and, and, you know, don't get me wrong. Financially, I was doing really well, but, but I know that money doesn't make you happy alone. And despite earning in excess of six figures um, in that your job and a company car and all sorts of cool benefits and bonuses, um, I, I was pretty unhappy. And so the only option for me was to go along. And and after all, I, I thought I could do my job better outside of the organization. Anyway, I got to a point where I kept sort of, you know, locking horns with the business owner and that was never, I was only ever going to go one way, you know. Um. And, and I've read that, you know, if you have a kind of entrepreneurial tendency that you have to kind of embrace a certain naivety because it's the only way to take the leap of faith off the cliff edge. Uh, but couple that with just enough optimism and determination to truly believe that you can't fail. And that is what I believe summarizes the, the entrepreneurial journey. Um, and, and at the time I'd been responsible in part for running a very successful web TV channel um, and at the time I could see a shift to video as a powerful means of communication in corporate scenarios. So, so I went off and set up F-Stop Academy, um, and out with a business partner at the time. And, and just as a side note, I, I wanted to, to uh, you to exercise real caution about going into business partnerships. Um, never ever go into a partnership unless you have a cast iron what if scenario documented and signed. I learned the hard way. Um, there, was, there were lots of things I just didn't know about this person at the time that I went into business with them. And it became a bit of a nightmare once we were actually there. But I, and it cost me a lot of money to get out of it. Um, but, you know, that, that situation um, very quickly disintegrated as I hear so often with business partnerships where two parties get very enthusiastic about um, you know, what, what is possible. And then, and then one party just has their own agenda. And so I was kind of left holding the baby somewhat. And, you know, in, in retrospect, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I was suddenly, I'd, I'd given up my six figure job. I'd remortgaged my house to start this business. And then I was held there going, what have I got now? So the best thing that happened to me, because, because looking back, I was forced to dig deep and become really resourceful. Um, and it, it taught me more importantly that I had to get out there and sell because without sales, your business is just an expensive hobby. Let me say that again, without sales and a focus on sales, your business is just an expensive hobby. Cash is the oxygen that allows your business to breathe. So if you have poor cash flow or low sales, then get off your arse and sell. Because that is what is separating you from having all the success you want. 
And sales does not have to be sleazy. Sales is serving when it's done right. And we've got an incredible um, sales process in our, in our VBA for our members. That, and it's scripted. They basically take a script and they use it every time. And they're always adding extra money to their, to their quotes because of the way we ask the questions. It really is a phenomenal tool. Um, so the, the other thing is, is that when you start a business, you, you assumed 100% ownership of success and failure and everything in between. So it's very important that you accept that 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 is the that is the job you take on. You have to own everything. If you don't own everything, then you're going to be in trouble. You can't make excuses. You can't bullshit yourself when running a business. Um, and it's so easy to get carried away with the process and buying gear. But once that dust has settled, that's when the cold hard light of day beams down. You know. In year one, and really every year after, if I'm being brutally honest, your focus needs to be solely on sales. If you're making less than a million dollars a year US, okay, whatever equivalent that is in your in your money, then your number one priority is sales and marketing. Letting people know you exist, letting people know how you can help them, and selling them a solution that they pay you for that actually delivers the result. Um, You know... You just can't turn up and hope that people will hire you. Um, you know, and it's funny, so, someone said to me a little while ago, um, oh, well, it's all right for you, Dan, because you're Dan Lenny and you do all this Sony work. And, 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 I, and I said, you know, it actually means nothing in a commercial environment. Every single Sony project I have produced has been fought for strategically and I delivered huge value, which meant in turn they asked me back. Um, you know, I did a whole period of, of when I first came to Australia, we did the FS5 launch film back in 2015. And then I spent a, probably the best part of two and a half years going all around Asia for Sony, speaking at YouTube events. Um, and, and you know, they asked me way back, maybe sort of March of 2017, if I do it. And even though they said they had these like eight or 10 events all over Asia, they, they'd only confirm me like one gig at a time. And, 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 and each, even though they said we've got these, these 10 different events across Asia over the next two years, um, at each presentation, they would send someone from Sony and they would write a report on me and send it back to Japan. So despite producing five launch films at the time, I think it's not up to eight now, um, I was still under continual scrutiny. And that is because they want to make sure that the message is right and that they're still getting value. And obviously I charge a premium for my services. So they, you know, they, they make they want to make sure they're getting good value. Um so so the point is I have to deliver my A game on every single talk and engagement. And and every time I do an engagement, I provide a new quote and it's scrutinized. Um so, so don't ever believe that I somehow have it easier because I don't. Um, I, I still have to jump through all of the hoops. I'm probably just a little more polished at it nowadays. And I know what to say and how to, how to argue my, my case for rates and, and travel. You know, I always travel business class and they always ask, why is the flight price so high? And I'm saying, well, because it's business class. They're like, oh, we don't normally pay business class. And I'm like, well, if you want me to fly to India for a day and get on stage and deliver absolute value to your audience at YouTube, then that, that is my terms. Otherwise, I'm going to fly from Sydney to, 
you know, Hyderabad and be exhausted and get up on stage and look like a bag of shit and, and, and not be able to string a word together. So, you know, I, I always explained why. Um, and, and it's maybe, maybe the guy who suggested that I kind of somehow have it easier. Confused reputation based on hard graft and over-delivering every single time to every single person in every single department I've ever dealt with it. Sony Australia, Sony Japan, Sony Europe, UK, you know, for somehow just being lucky. You know, everything was hard-earned. Um, so let me be clear, I, I've always had to work for it, but I'm very smart about it. And I always ensure I charge accordingly for my time. And I'm certainly not cheap compared to other names on the internet who are very popular in these circles. Um, but I'm not expensive, you know. Um, one phrase I like to use when people ask how much is say, you know, you know, not as much as you'd think, but more than worth it. And And like I said, you know, I always make it a part of my arrangement that I get business class travel in five-star hotels. But let me explain why, okay? So point one, positioning. It elevates my expert status if I stand out. And by the way, I'm always willing to walk away if they're not happy to oblige me, with ads, with, which just adds power to the frame. Number two is I value my time. So I'm going to fly to Seoul or Bangkok or India for three days. I'm actually spending six days disrupted. So let's say I fly Tuesday evening, which means I leave the office at 2 p.m. and I return to Sydney on Sunday morning. My engagements are actually only two days. So I charge for two days plus travel. And I tend to absorb the days in the middle as a goodwill gesture. Um, so performance, you know, like I said, I actually use this phrase when I negotiate business class travel. And so in order to arrive fresh and perform at the highest level, giving the audience the very best I can for 90 minutes, I need to be able to rest. And, and as a side note, you know, that means going easy on the champagne when you get on board. You know, you have to be respectful and stay true to your word. I, I take my travel very seriously. When the days we could travel, you know, I'd always be very hydrated. I wouldn't drink on the plane. I'd always use it to get rest. Um, and productivity. I just get more shit done because I have lounge access and in-seat power. That means that any time away from the office, I can still operate, like, you know, writing articles or, or coming up with, with, with trainings. Uh, it means that when I do take those external um, engagements, it doesn't impact my core business. And and preference, number five, I like to travel in business. And and, and actually in first class, when, when I've got points, I'll upgrade to first class. Um, you know, it, it, it's a great hack. If you've got someone willing to pay you for a business class flight, um, you get all these tier points, which are status miles that puts you way ahead of the queue for upgrades. And so... Um, you know, more often than not, back in the days when we could travel, which won't be long again, Australia is talking about opening up travel in October again, um, getting upgraded to business at first when you've got lots of points is, is generally happens a lot more than you might imagine. You know, I've actually been upgraded four times from business to first. And I've got to tell you, first class is incredible. Having a shower in the shower spa on the Airbus A380 on an Emirates flight is is it's something else, you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying that it is, it's incredible. It's everything you'd imagine it would be. So why not enjoy that? I, I love that kind of thing. Why not? And so here's how I'm able to do it. It's, it's all about expert status. So despite all of my years making content for Sony, when they messaged me to ask me if I'd consider speaking at those events around Asia, 
the truth is they could have asked five or six different filmmakers um and and they probably would have been cheaper if i'm honest um but the bat swung in my favor and that's when i presented the idea you know that then when when they presented the idea to youtube like you know i i suspect and actually i asked the question i said why did you ask me to do these when there are many many filmmakers who would be cheaper who have probably more more content online and they said well what what swung it in my favor when they presented the idea to youtube was the fact that i'd i had this expert status i'd written a book and so the fact that i'd written a book meant i was the only option for youtube so even though sony were paying for me to be there youtube had veto on who was going to stand up and speak and because i had a book um that's what separated me because none of the other filmmakers that they were thinking of or that I'm thinking of have a book. Now, I actually don't know if Sony had approached other people and I, I couldn't really care less either way. It's not really important. Um, but they did say that the book was a big factor in YouTube agreeing for me to be the one. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's really important, like writing a book, it, it, it really elevates your authority. In fact, a couple of clients of mine um, that I'm still in touch with today, you know, they, they wrote a couple of books. Simon Banks wrote How to Get Video Right and Lou wrote The Play Button. And it, I'm really proud of the fact that I helped them coach them through that process. And, and it really helped them to elevate their position in authority. And they're both doing really well nowadays. Um, you know, nothing will elevate your expertise faster than becoming an author. But here's here's the really cool hack, okay? While I wrote my first book, Business Filmmakers, 232 pages in 2014, um, you don't have to. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big, full-on masterpiece. You could write a 50 to 70 page book. In fact, my latest ebook is 18 pages. So if you want to go to my website at denlenny.com, download the ebook. It's 18 pages long. Um, and so, you know, here's uh, here's a kind of quick hack in to how to kind of map out a book. You know, when I, when I wrote Business for Filmmakers, here's what I did, okay? I simply followed a structure. I So I created a spreadsheet with 12 chapter ideas. I brainstormed all of the topics that I had knowledge around, and I split each of those chapters into seven subheadings. I then wrote seven questions that I could answer about each subheading. And then with each subheading is just, you know, write three to 500 words on each subheading or record it in Otter or Loom or something like that. So with 96 subheadings, you'll end up with between 30 and 50,000 words. And it will take you 24 days or six weeks writing 300 words per day, four days per week. And you could have a full on 200 page book. Now, how hard does it seem to write a book now? You know, um, now to give you some context, I spent around 90 minutes writing 1500 words um which meant you know you could easily write 300 words in 30 minutes maybe an hour's worth of thinking time and some procrastination but but either way and i'm talking about a 200 page book it's stop telling yourself you can't it's actually a way easier than you think and if typing isn't for you because i'm a terrible typist you can you can dictate your book um and so you know especially with apps like otter.ai you can you can basically speak it and it transcribes it straight away. 
Um, and and when I first wrote my first book in 2014, I mean, I, I sort of typed half of it and it was pretty bad with two finger typing. Um, but another option is you could get someone to ask you the questions and then you record the responses and, and then get them transcribed. But the simple solution is, is that, you know, you don't need to write a 200 page book to be an authority. You can actually write a book that is 18 pages or 10 pages long. And what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to give you a strategy for how to do that. I'm actually going to teach you how to write an ebook. And this is something that I've used in my online classes and in my training and in my live classes where we actually set a challenge and, um, and people go away and write an ebook in about three hours. So what I'm going to do next week is actually run you through exactly the steps you need to take to write an ebook because if you if you take all of the effort I've just explained about writing a full on book it may be overkill it may just be not be what you need to do in your market but I guarantee if you do do it if you write a book that's like 100 pages plus long that's a physical book you will elevate your authority beyond everyone else in your space and it will absolutely create a buzz around you being an expert in your field. So guys, I will see you on the shorty next week. And then next week, I'm going to teach you how to write an ebook in three hours. All right, guys, see you soon. You've been listening to the How to Scale a Video Business podcast with me, your host, Dan Lenny. If you're a video business owner who's hit a ceiling and we benefit from mentorship, support, and coaching, then check out how you can work with me over at denlenny.com. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show over on iTunes and we'd really appreciate you taking a few minutes to leave a review. And don't forget to share. If you feel you've gotten value from this episode and you think it would be useful for other filmmakers you know, then please do me a massive favor and share it on social media and in groups that you might be in. So thanks for listening. See you in the next episode.